Hello everyone and welcome to JTalk Extra Time, all of the latest J2 and J3 news coming your way shortly as usual. I'm John Steele and in part one this week I'm going to run you through about half of the J2 games from last weekend, round 22 of the season. After a short musical break, James Taylor's going to take over. He has the rest of the action from last weekend in J2. And then in part three, James got together with Gary Owen, uh, Kumamoto's finest, uh, for a deep dive on Raso Kumamoto and how things are going for them so far in J2 this season. Uh, after James's chat with Gary, you have the usual J Talk short corner mini pod with uh, Magic Mike Innes. He has all the uh, J3 latest for you to bring you up to speed on the third tier in that section. So without further ado, let's talk about some of the on-field action from J2 last weekend as the second half of the season got underway with round 22. Let's start at Soyuz Stadium where it finished Akita 1, Fujieda 3, a superb win for Fujieda. And they got off to a perfect start when they took the lead in the fourth minute. Ryo Watanabe cut into the Akita penalty area from the Fujieda right and put in a shot that was blocked by a defender but the ball ran free for Taisuke Mizuno to side foot home from just inside the penalty area and give Fujieda the lead. Resilient Akita bounced straight back though with an equaliser in the 11th minute, Shota Aoki planting a firm header into the net from Ryota Takada's right wing cross. And Fujieda went back in front 10 minutes before half time when Akiyuki Yokoyama sent Watanabe racing clean through with a deft through ball. Watanabe confidently chipped the ball over the advancing goalkeeper Kentaro Kakoi and it went in off the post. Then, right at the start of the second half, Fujieda extended their lead when Tojiro Kubo's low cross from the right flank found Yokoyama inside the Akita penalty box, and he swept the ball into Kakoi's bottom left-hand corner, first time from about 14 yards. And that proved to be enough to win the game for Fujieda, but there was some comedy uh, late on. Uh, from a late Akita corner, the goalkeeper Kakoi came up uh, to be an extra attacker. But when the ball was cleared and Fujieda had a two versus one counterattack, uh, they got their breakaway all wrong and got caught offside. Uh, Fujieda player passed the ball forward to put a teammate clean through, but there was only one Akita defender left. Uh, yeah, in in uh, kind of defend defensive line, so that's uh, that's offside. Right, the goalkeeper was too far forward. Uh, very funny, funny moment to end the game. Uh, I even enjoyed the full time whistle because Fujieda were enraged. Uh, they had a four versus three counter attack developing and were going hunting for more goals, but the referee blew the full time uh, whistle. But uh, yeah, the final score was Akita one, uh, Fujieda three. Uh, great win for Fujieda on the road uh, at Akita. Uh, meanwhile, at Kei's Denki Stadium on uh, Saturday, it finished Mito 1, Machida Zelvia 1. Machida remains six points clear at the top, but they dropped points for the second round in a row in this game. No goals at half-time, but Machida did have the ball in the net from a long throw. Yu Hirakawa swept the ball home, but a couple of Machida players were offside, so the goal was uh, disallowed. Machida did go in front though right at the start of the second half, and this goal owed a lot to the quick thinking of the Machida goalkeeper, William Pope. With the ball in his hands after a Mito corner, he spotted Eric running in behind the Mito backline and he picked him out with a supremely accurate goal kick. The ball actually dropped onto the back of Mito midfielder Ryosuke Maeda and landed perfectly at Eric's feet and he rounded the home goalkeeper Yusei Hanana and rolled the ball into the net to make it Mito nil, Machida 1. 
Mito's equaliser though came in the 65th minute and this was a real goal of the season contender. Mizuki Ando flicked the ball into the air with his head on the edge of Machida's penalty area and then Kaito Umeda sent a superb dipping volley over Pope and into the back of the net uh, via the crossbar. Very hard to do this goal justice verbally but uh, if you think uh, Tony Yeboah for Leeds against Liverpool in the Premier League back in the day then uh, you're not far wrong. That's a a topical reference for the younger, younger listeners. But yeah, absolutely brilliant goal from Umeda to make it 1-1 after that stunner Machida went closest to winning it when a header from Eric came back off the face of the Mito crossbar but it finished Mito 1 Machida 1 and at Mito are 18th in the table 4 points clear of the relegation zone after this point there were no goals in a hard-fought game at Kanseki Stadium. It finished Tochigi nil, Yamaguchi nil, and I think Tochigi had the better of the chances in this game, particularly in the second half, with Ryo Nemato looking extremely lively for the home side. Nemato might have earned his team a penalty when he was shoved in the back by Yamaguchi defender Daisuke Matsumoto when he was going clean through. And then in second half stoppage time, Nemato was denied by a fine save from Kentaro Seki in the Yamaguchi goal. But that was pretty much it for goal mouth action and it finished Tochigi nil, Yamaguchi nil. Tochigi a 20th on a 22 points with Yamaguchi just one point and one place better off there, 19th. Okay, with apologies to Omiya supporters, we uh, we can't delay any longer. The big relegation six-pointer at NAC 5 ended in glory for Iwaki and misery for the home side Omiya. The final score was Omiya 1, Iwaki 5. Iwaki stunned their hosts by taking the lead in just the seventh minute in this game when Ryo Arita skipped past a challenge on the edge of Omiya's penalty area and then crossed for Shu Yoshizawa to bundle the ball over the line at point-blank range. Omiya's 43-year-old goalkeeper Yuta Minami then made a good save from Eiji Miyamoto's shot from the edge of the box, but Miyamoto did double Iwaki's lead in the 25th minute. He was allowed to advance to the edge of the penalty area and then fire a low shot into Minami's bottom right-hand corner. Things got even worse for Omiya five minutes before half-time. Uh, centre-back Niki Urakami deflected a right-wing cross past his own goalkeeper Minami to make the half-time score Omiya nil, Iwaki 3 in the second half, Iwaki were in dreamland uh, in the 55th minute as they made it 4-0. A deep free kick from Yuto Yamashita was nodded down for an unmarked Kaina Tanimura to comfortably beat Minami at close range. The beleaguered hosts did get a goal back with 15 minutes to go and it was a first J-League goal for youngster Fumiya Takayanagi who swiveled on the ball about 12 yards from goal and then squeezed the ball between the goalkeeper and his right-hand post to make it 4-1. But the Nadia for Omiya came about eight minutes later as they handed Iwaki a fifth goal by messing around with the ball inside their own six-yard box. Uh, Urakami took a heavy touch around the penalty spot which presented an open goal to Iwaki's Ryota Iwabuchi and he took full advantage to make it Omiya 1, Iwaki 5 at full time. And after one impressive goal line clearance from Iwaki at the other end, yes, time was up, Omiya 1, Iwaki 5. Uh, a hugely disappointing day at the office for Omiya. They're eight points adrift of safety now, six behind uh, Iwaki, who is still second bottom. Iwaki are only two points behind 20th place Tochigi, so they, they have a lifeline going into the second half of the season. But um, yeah, my expert opinion, Omiya look uh, absolutely uh, doomed based on this evidence. Really, really bad day at the office for them and a stunning win for Iwaki. Up in Tohoku, it finished Yamagata nil, Tokyo Verdi 2. A very impressive performance and comprehensive win for Verdi, who stay in third place in the table. Great start for the visitors as they hit the front in the sixth minute. Kosuke Saito played the ball out wide on the Verdi left to Goki Yamada 
who had plenty of space to cross into the box, and he found Saito, who headed the ball into the roof of the net for Yamagata nil, Tokyo Verdi 1. There were plenty of other chances for Verdi after that, um, with a couple of goldmouth scrambles and a good save from Masaki Goto in the Yamagata goal, one in each half, uh, both from uh, Goki Yamada. Verdi, though, eventually grabbed the second goal that their play deserved on the hour mark, and it was Saito and Yamada combining again for this one. Yamada played a 1-2 with Saito close to the halfway line. That sent him bearing down on goal on the left-hand side of the penalty area, and a cool finish into the bottom corner uh, capped off a superb Tokyo Verdi win. Yamagata nil, Tokyo Verdi 2 at full-time. This was a first defeat in seven for Yamagata, and they're in uh, 12th place in the table at the moment. At the JIT Recycling Stadium, there were no goals. It finished Kofu nil, Okayama nil, but Kofu had the better of the uh, chances in this game, I think. In the first half, Okayama keeper Daiki Hotta had to make fine saves from Yoshiki Torikai and Masahiro Sekiguchi. And late on, Kofu striker Kazushi Mitsuhira, uh, known to James's daughter as a funny hair, of course, should have done better with a free header, but he put the ball uh, wide at the near post. So um, not too much action to report on. Uh, in this game, it finished Kofu nil, Okayama nil. That leaves Kofu in sixth place uh, after the weekend games and uh, Okayama a bit further back in 12th. Okay, I think that's all for my roundup of the kind of first half of the J2 weekend. Please stay tuned though. In a moment, uh, I'm going to hand you over to James. He has the rest of the weekend action from J2 uh, plus a chat with Gary Owen coming up. J2 Extra Time. Thanks, John. James Taylor here with the rest of the weekend's games, and let's get this one out of the way first, shall we? Viva and Nagasaki held on to fourth place with a 5-1 tonking of Dragon Kanazawa. It started badly for Kanazawa when right-back Yuto Nagamine and goalie Yuto Shirai combined to bring down Asahi Masuyama in the box for a penalty, which Juan Madelgado scored in the 13th minute. It was 2-0 a quarter of an hour later as Kazuki Kushibiki found some space in the Kanazawa area to head in his fifth of the season. Kanazawa thought they'd got back into it two minutes into the second half when Ryuhei Oishi crossed for Kyohei Sugiura to score, but it was a false dawn as a minute later, birthday boy Tsubasa Kasayanagi scored with a low shot from the edge of the area. Juanma got his second on the hour, leaving his marker flat-footed to power in a header, and Cristiano took advantage of a poor pass in the Kanazawa defence to score the fifth in the 84th minute. Nagasaki easing themselves into a tough run of upcoming fixtures, Kanazawa slipping to 17th and heaping more pressure on themselves. The remaining Saturday game saw Jeff United snatch a point at home to Oita with a late goal from Tomoya Miki. There were lots of chances in this one. Oita's Naoki Nomura twice forced good saves from Shota Arai and Tomoya Ando hit the bar from close range, while Jeff's Taishi Taguchi hit the bar with a free kick and Shogo Sasaki shot over with another free kick. It was goalless at the break, but Oita went in front 15 minutes into the second half. United gave the ball away near their own area, and Yusuke Kobayashi tripped Kazuki Fujimoto to concede a penalty, which Nomura scored. They almost doubled the lead in the 85th minute when Ando hit the post with a header, and they rued that miss when Jeff were awarded a penalty of their own five minutes later for handball at a corner. Miki stepped up and scored from the spot, and it finished 1-1. Oita stay second, six points behind Machida, and a point ahead of Tokyo Verdi. Jeff are 16th, winless in 5. There were three games on Sunday evening. At 6 o'clock, Vegata Sendai took on Tokushima Vortis. Ho Yongjun put Sendai in front in the 28th minute. He received a long pass inside the area, moved the ball from his right foot onto his left and back again, before shooting through a defender's legs. 
Tokushima equalized in the 55th minute. The ever-busy Kazuki Nishia crossed from the left. Taiyo Nishino fluffed his shot, but it fell kindly for Taro Sugimoto to score from 10 yards. It ended 1-1, so both teams climbed the table slightly. Sendai to 8th, Tokushima to 15th. A fast start from Jubilo Iwata saw them open up a 2-0 lead inside the first 10 minutes of their game away to Ruaso Kumamoto. Dudu got the first in the second minute, smashing a shot into the roof of the net from just inside the area. Hiroki Yamada got the second in the 8th minute, a good finish across the keeper, a left-footed volley from 12 yards. Shohei Aihara hit the bar for Kumamoto, and their keeper Ryuga Tashiro made a couple of good saves in the second half, but this one was done and dusted long before that. Iwati moved up to 5th on a run of 3 straight wins, Kumamoto dropped to 11th, still alternating wins and losses. The final game of the weekend saw Zaspa Kusatsugunma draw 1-0 with Shimizu Espulse. Shuto Kitagawa scored Gunma's goal in the 10th minute, nipping in front of his marker to flick over the keeper at the near post. It looked like Shimizu had assumed the play in the corner was going nowhere and didn't react when the low cross came in from Ryo Sato. Shimizu drew level in the 28th minute with their own Kitagawa, Koya. A bizarre attempted clearance by a Gunma player on the touchline ended up going directly to Kitagawa on the edge of the D and he gleefully took aim and scored. Points shared and Gunma should be thankful to keep a Masatoshi Kushibiki for earning them that point with a string of good saves, especially in the second half. Their ninth, a point behind 7th place Shimizu. That's the roundup sorted. Keep listening for my chat with Gary Irwin. Welcome back everyone. Uh, James here with Gary Irwin for his first full appearance on the pod this year. Hi Gary, how are you? James, thanks for finally inviting me back halfway through the season. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, yes, uh, John and I have sort of been uh, cobbling it together for, for the first half of the season, but now we've finally, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, maybe he's had enough of talking to me and said we should talk to other people <laughs> for a bit. But uh, yeah, I appreciate you you coming on. We're, um, but listeners might be interested to know that we are both taking time out of our busy schedule of clearing up children's vomit to talk about uh, Kumamoto's season so far. So why don't we start with the, the weekend's match, the 2-0 home loss to Iwata. Um, you were at this one, right, Gary? How was it? Um, it was, speaking of vomit, it was, uh, <laughs> it was over in about 10 minutes. We were 2-0 down and then we passed around and couldn't do anything for the next 80 minutes and we lost. It's our fourth loss at home in a row, I believe. Yes, I've sat mm-hmm. through them all. And we haven't scored any goals. We haven't really come close to scoring or looking like getting a win. Uh, it's just the same old, same old home form, unfortunately. Yeah, so it was, it was a disappointing, disappointing, because a win would have shot us right up the table into the top 10. But we're, we're just outside it now at the moment. Yeah, it uh, sounds pretty depressing. <laughs> the home form, anyway. But, yeah, when I was watching this, I, I thought... Seemed Kumamoto seemed kind of off colour, um, but basically now I've only uh, I've only mostly seen highlights this year. But I was thinking back to the previous game when they were four 0 up against Fujieda at half time, and um, it was Aihara and Shimura and Omoto and Matsuo. Various power were kind of those guys were setting each other up and scoring for fun. So it was really strange to see this. Um, 
yeah, just aimlessly passing it around and, and giving the ball away so much in midfield and not really creating anything going forward. Is that, it's, has it, that been the case often this year? No, not everything doesn't click like that every week. Although away from home, it seems to happen more often where we'll get more chances mm. And, mm. and convert them. But, mm. but at home, it seems to be, takes more time and more effort to get a clear-cut chance and we haven't been putting them away. Especially since mm. um, Ishikawa, our top scorer, he, he was injured is it last mm. month or nearly two months ago. And mm. uh, since he's been gone, he was our top scorer with nine. We've had no one to step up and take it on. Uh, I think Ihara has been played up front, but he's really a winger, really. Matsuoka, mm. I think, has been played mostly at the top of our 3-4-3, and, uh, but he's still only three goals on the season. So it, it, while it clicked in that game, it, it hasn't been clicking uh, every game, unfortunately. But uh, as I mentioned on uh, Twitter, we had a, a midweek game uh, against uh, Ryukyu in the Emperor's Cup, and mm. I thought we would be a bit lacklustre the following game, I said, mm. oh, you, because it went to penalties, we had all the extra time. Mm. We would be a bit flat and Ryuki would be flat. They had a home game in J3 and I think they lost even, yeah. three, I believe. Because um, mm. we didn't, we, I think um, Oki made two changes to the team that played midweek and played at the weekend. So they were just a bit tired, I hope. And hopefully after a week's rest, the coming weekend's game will be um, firing, firing on all cylinders. Yeah, yeah. I remember looking at the uh, the lineup for the the cup match and thinking you know, it looked like a pretty strong, strong um, team. So, I guess yeah, that must have had an effect. You're probably right. I think I think um, Rich Palmer's been been pointing out on Twitter that a lot of the particularly the JFL and J3 teams who had cup matches struggled in their next league match after the midweek matches, but. Guess it's not not just JFL and J3 teams who have that problem. Um, yeah, into goals, it, it looks like yeah. Without Ishikawa's nine, you've got well, Ihara's got four, and Hirakawa's got four. There's a couple of guys with three and a few twos. So yeah, no one's really had a, a chance, or maybe they have had the chance, but no one's really sort of stepped up and started banging them in. But yeah, well. I guess we don't have to talk too much about the Iwata game because it sounds like uh, you don't really want to. And <laughs> I don't no, blame well, you. Again, like most of our home games, we have most of the possession. We do have most of the chances, corners, everything like that. The stats are in our favour, but we, we just can't get the win. We can't put the ball in, in the back of the net. And the other team wants to get a goal or two ahead. They just sit back and soak up the pressure. And the 90th minute comes, the referee blows the whistle and I go home angry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, especially with this one with Iwata taking those two chances quite early, it, it basically kills. Well, I say it killed the game, but but and that in in combination with Kumamoto's kind of lackluster attack on on the day, basically meant it was finished within ten minutes, wasn't it? But then let's let's talk about a bit more generally the first half of the season. Um, has there been any? Anything or anyone that's particularly stood out for you as a positive for, for Kumamoto for this season so far? Well, we mentioned him already. Ishikawa was a positive. He had nine goals in, I think he played the first 16 or 17 games. Mm. So he really was, he was on, on track to, to go to maybe 20 goals this season, which would have been 
great. But when he did his cruciate ligament, we, we've had no one really who, who's taken up that front position who, who wants to score all these goals. And um, he was probably our best player. Um, as uh, anyone who's been following the, the pod since last year, we, we lost a lot of our players, our best players, who went up to J1. Mm. Um, so uh, we had uh, lots of new faces and they haven't really gelled as quickly as I guess Oki would have wanted. We were very patchy in form. Mm. I guess the best player outside of Ishikawa, maybe it's uh, our goalkeeper, Tashiro. I was surprised to mm. see him uh, be putting goals. And he, but he's, he's kept his place. He's been, he's been okay. I, I don't think any of our losses have been his fault. And he's still young. He's only 23 or 24. So I guess outside of Ishikawa, I think Tashiro has been probably one of our bright lights this season. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about him actually because he, he seems like um, quite, a, quite a character. He's very pumped up. And um, I, I, I was going to ask what how how you how you felt about him replacing Yuya Sato, who, who who was very good last year? Yeah, I was surprised to see it. And Sato, as you know, is a bit of a character himself, so mm. that's where Tashiro gets it from. But I, I think he's played well. Again, I don't think I could blame any particular run of goals or anything to him. It's just been the defense in front of him has been a bit changeable, and there's a lot of. Um, Pressure from the other side, we'll, we'll get through. If you, if you put pressure on our back three, we mostly play three at the back, um, you can get in behind. Now, I think he's, he's kept a good number of maybe seven or eight clean sheets. It's just, I think our problem is mainly at the other end. I wouldn't put it in our defence. Yeah. Yeah, he's made some really excellent saves I've noticed from, from you know, watching the highlights and stuff. And when, I, when, I, when I've seen him, I quite enjoy watching, watching Tashiro play. He's, he's quite entertaining as a... Uh, just as as a, as a non Kumamoto supporter, I quite enjoy quite enjoy watching him. Um, you mentioned you mentioned um, the 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 number of impressive players who left over the winter, and I think I think everyone everyone's aware of that situation, and and I think a lot of people expected Kumamoto to to struggle, um, maybe more than they have, but I, I wonder. Is who's particularly missed this year? Um, I guess in midfield, I would go uh, Kawahara, who went to mm. Sagan Toso. He was probably he was a, our player of the season last year. Our, our goals up front seem to have been replaced with Ishikawa, so he was doing okay. I think in midfield, mm. some, someone to link defense to attack. Kawahara's probably been our biggest loss. Yeah, some mm. of the other players who who were. Um, Scoring goals and giving assists. Uh, I wasn't too worried. In J two, you can you can pick up one or two players and and they will uh, go on runs of form and, and keep you somewhat safe in mid table. But if you can't link from defence to attack, then a lot of your, a lot of your uh, possession that we have a lot of kind of breaks down and it's, it's wasted. So I think he was our biggest loss. And uh, I think Tosu have him now and he's mm. he's pretty much a regular starter there and there. I haven't checked the J1 table. I'm going to guess eight or ninth, but they're not doing too bad. Um, and he's playing well. So he's probably our biggest loss from last season. Yeah. Well, it seems like, from what I've seen, it seems like um, Rei Hirakawa is kind of filling that role now. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And he's been even taking up the captain's airband too. Yeah. And how, he's how just not at the, at the level at, at Kawahara was at, at this, say, hmm. this stage last season. 
we stayed mm. last season. Now, as I said, we're halfway through the season, so we have 30 points. So if we were to replicate that for the other half of the season, we'd have 60 points, which I don't think that's ever been good enough to get the playoffs. I could be wrong. Um, last season, we got in on 67 points. And while 60 points would be brilliant for our Oasso Kumoto season, I think we'd need to get better than we were in the first half of the season for the remainder of the season. And um, I can't see it happening now, James, but you never know. You never know. Yeah, yeah, 60, 60 would probably, you'd just miss out. Or you might you might sneak in if if, if something goes haywire in the table. I don't know. Um, yeah, well, that's the thing, right? 30 points in 11th, eight wins, six draws, eight losses. It's... It's not bad, especially considering the amount of players that were lost over the winter. Seven points off the playoffs, ten points clear of relegation. Seems like um, Kumoto are, are looking up rather than looking down, which is was obviously a good thing. And but yeah, it's inconsistency, right? I, I keep mentioning it on because I keep getting the Kumamoto games on my part of the roundup each week, and I keep mentioning I'm, I I like the the pattern that lost win, lost win, lost win, lost. Um, must be incredibly frustrating for Kumamoto supporters, but as a, I like the 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 pattern in that. <laughs> on how long they can keep that up? <laughs> yeah, we always play on a Sunday, so you always get those games. We're, we're usually yeah. not the last or second last game of the weekend. And uh, yeah, it's been win loss win. As you said, there was eight wins, eight losses. So we either win mm. or we lose. That's it's basically how our our season's been going. So hopefully, the second half of the season, if we can just win more than we lose, maybe we'll be in with a shout. If we can win maybe more than eight games, so let's let's aim for ten games between now and the yeah. end of the season. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I keep asking John, oh, how should we split the games for a roundup? And he keeps choosing the ones that don't have Kanazawa. So I keep have to I keep having to talk about bloody Kanazawa getting tonked every week but um <laughs> let's move on from that i, I guess a, apart from the uh ishikawa and 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 tashiro uh, any any other sort of really really good or quite good things from the first half of the season for for kumamoto well our away form it, as i mentioned has been very good we're always in the top four or five teams in the league away from home mm. uh, on it's just our home form. If we could improve at home or even just start drawing more games than, than meekly mm. losing, that would be it. We, we do have some good players, as you mentioned, like Hirokawa, uh, Aihara, who often has to go up front on his own. Uh, they do. They're good players. They put in a shift. They just need to start finding the back of the net. Um, mm. Now, in saying that, this weekend we play uh, Verdi at home. And Verdi mm. are the best away team. So I'm not looking forward to going to this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they also have a very good defence. So they do, don't mm-hmm. they? Have like something like fourteen clean sheets or something in in twenty two games, twelve maybe. Yeah, they have the best um, first or second best defence yeah. goals wise. Yes, yeah. Yeah, only fourteen goals conceded. Um, Matthias playing really, really well. Um, but Lewis was singing his praises last last week on the pod rightly so from what i've seen he's been excellent mm. um yeah good luck <laughs> yeah i saw that they, they they have the best away form like the, mm. yeah and we seem yeah, to have one of the worst homes yeah, so 
nothing, nothing is ever as easy as bad home form versus a good away form. It's not necessarily going to mean an away win. Yeah, no, and we, we had an example of that on, on Wednesday night. Akita winning away at uh, Espos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's let's look forward then a little bit about it. But what are your I see what are your expectations or your hopes for the rest of the season? Uh you can be realistic or unrealistic. For, I'm being for rea- realistic. A, a little uptick in home form. I don't expect us to keep our away form as good as it was. Um so if I can get an uptick in home form and get to like that fifty points safe from relegation once we're there mm. uh, i'll be happy now i'm hoping yeah. we get there um before like september october <laughs> and make a shout for the playoffs but uh, if anyone looks at the j2 table there's never more than a win or two wins between a whole group of teams it, it seems to concertina in the center there you have mm. Achida who, who um even though they've, they've dropped a few points lately they seem to be ahead of everyone yeah and then um Omiya seem to be dropping off at the bottom. Everyone else is only one or two wins from each other. Um, so it, 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 if it stays tight, I'm hoping we can just improve our home form and then move up to the top half of the table. And if we're in with a shout of the playoffs, I'll, I'll be delighted, delighted. But just to get to that 50-odd points and be safe, that's my realistic, that's what I want to be. Because I've watched too many home games where we've been really bad. So that's what I'm, I'm going on. <laughs> Mm. So I'm hoping to get similar uh, amount of points in the second half of the season as we did in the first. And hopefully a lot of other teams will drop off and we, we might just get sneak into eighth or seventh or hopefully sixth. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess with uh, well, Ishikawa, he played 17 games. So it's been, what, five five games without him trying out various combinations up front. Yeah, something's going to click soon. Someone's going to start scoring, or a few people are going to start scoring, or things are going to start working out, and and that should help, hopefully, for 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 you and for Kumamoto, that it will help, and and that that then should um, yeah sort out the home form, maybe keep the away form fairly well, and uh, yeah, there's no reason the seven points is not insurmountable. I think it's yeah, like you say, it's 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 all very tight. I mean got three teams on 30 points three teams on 31 points there's there's no reason why any of those teams can't can't push up to towards sixth and 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 sneak in at the end or maybe even get in comfortably at the end i think it's going to be really interesting to see which of these i mean because like so gumma gumma up there no one expected that and fujieda mm. akita is still 13th a lot of people probably didn't expect Kumamoto to be as high as 11th. So it's quite quite intriguing to see who's going to who's going to um, sort of keep keep the pace, or who's going to push on, who's going to drop off. Okay, all right, good. I think um, yes, but James, everyone is listening uh, to the pod now who yeah, follows the J2 team is thinking the same thing. If we just hit that little bit of form, we're going to shoot up the table because it's so yeah. tight. It's so tight. Yeah, but in J2, no one has... Uh, I think nearly every... The form guide, last five or six games, everyone, every team, I think, has lost a game. So everyone's capable of losing and winning on yeah. their day. 
I think maybe even Oita are the only team who hasn't. They're the they've got the longest unbeaten streak, maybe six games or something like that. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's very yeah. tight. It's very tight. I know a lot of teams yeah. fans are looking at the table now, going, "Yeah, if we can just win our next two games against these easy teams below us, then we're set." But it, it never works out that way. No, it does not. You're absolutely right. <laughs> I know from bitter experience. <laughs> yeah. If we could predict these games, we wouldn't need to do this part every every week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rich, I wouldn't need to work at all. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've got I've got the table in front. Oita, you're right. Oita are the only team with um with no black circle in their last five games, and uh, Montedio Yamagata also in in good form until they they lost their last one. But yeah, apart from that. Iwata, Iwata, pretty good. Nagasaki. Yeah, Kofu. Yeah, the training yeah, match. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think let's. Uh, since we 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 we've started kind of uh, looking ahead, we talked a bit about Kumamoto against uh, Tokyo Verdi. That's that's the last game on Sunday. Yes. Seven o'clock. So right. weekend. It should be a very good one. I think. Uh, be, they'll be worth tuning in for. There's the, there's one other game on Sunday at six o'clock. Akita against Iwaki. All the others are on Saturday, the first of July. Uh, six o'clock. Machida against Omiya. Also at six o'clock. Shimizu against Nagasaki. In all the other games at seven, uh, Jeff against Kofu, Kanazawa against Tochigi, Iwata against Oita, Fujieda versus Yamaguchi, Okayama against Mito, Tokushima versus Gumma, and then at seven thirty, uh, Yamaguchi. Magata against Sendai. What uh, what do you think about those fixtures, Gary? Anything that stands out for you? Well, the two games I think. Well, Iwate and Oita, fifth against second, should be a mm. good game. Should be a good game. Yeah, and as we mentioned, that there seem to be the two form teams going into this. Yeah. Oita haven't lost in a while, and Iwate have, they've picked up probably the most points of anyone in the last two months. Mm. Yeah, so that should be that should be a good game. Um, Espulse and Nagasaki, seventh and fourth, I think, should be another good one. Nagasaki hit five last week, so yeah. let's see, can they repeat the trick this weekend? Uh, and uh, yeah, she, oh, we know Shimizu can score, they're the top scorers, so that one, mm. he obviously got Kanazawa. Kanazawa gets Tochigi, it's and and Tochigi won the. The other fixture four nil. That let's hope that doesn't happen again. Um, I thought Fujieda against Yamaguchi would be quite quite interesting as well because um, neither of those teams has a particularly good defence. So uh, that might be uh, might be fun. And yeah, there, there, there's quite a few. Oh, the Yamagata Sendai is a derby. Is that the Michinoku derby? Yeah, it could I be. don't know. Yeah. There's only two it's, points between them, but six places, so... It, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, great. There's loads of good stuff coming out. I think uh, Okayama Mito might be fun as well. Both got good attacks. Um, and, of course, Machida, for, top against bottom. That's always yeah, an interesting yeah. fixture. Mm. You've got to hope for Omir supporters that their players will put up Slightly more of a fight against the league leaders than they did against the team that's second bottom. Uh, I think but, at home against Manchester, did they were they unlucky to lose? They lose only one nil. I'm, I'm thinking way back months ago now, but 
The only thing I can see in my mind when I think of Olmia is just defenders falling over as attackers <laughs> run in on goal. <laughs> but I think Maybe we I'm should not last do season too much. <laughs> yeah, let's not do much, too too much Olmia chat because they they their supporters have suffered enough this week and in recent weeks in general. So uh, weeks, yeah, yeah. Maybe last like sixteen games or something like that. Yeah. When's the last time they won? I don't know. Rounding off the weekend with Kumamoto against Verdi is going to be a nice way to uh, to finish round twenty three. Uh, Gary, thanks very much for uh, coming on the pod. It's been really good to hear from you about about Kumamoto. James, thanks for having me on. And uh, thanks to all our patrons for their support. Uh, we're really grateful for for your backing of uh, J Talk Extra Time and and J Talk podcast, of course. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening and downloading. And coming up next, Magic Mike Innes has all the latest from J3 in J Talk Short Corner. J Talk Extra Time. Hello everyone and welcome to J Talk Short Corner, the mini pod that keeps you up to date with events in J3 of the J League. I'm your host Mike Innes and in this episode I'll be looking back on fixtures in round 15 of the J3 season as well as previewing the round 16 matches coming up this weekend. Before I review the round 15 games, just to jump back to last Wednesday, the 21st of June, when Iwate, Guruja, Morioka and FC Ryukyu finally played their Emperor's Cup second round ties. Ryukyu pushed Roaso Kumamoto close at the Egao Kenko Stadium before succumbing to defeat on penalty kicks. Takuma Abe hit the bar with a deft lob in only the third minute and Tetsuhiro Kina's side were two up at half-time. Mu Kanazaki putting them in front on 25 minutes with a low shot from the edge of the box, which, for those of you keeping count, puts the former international's tally of goals for Ryukyu at one. 13 minutes later, rookie Sho Iwamoto made it 2-0 with his first pro goal, a well-struck shot after the home defence had failed to deal with a cross from the visitors' right. The J2 side scored twice in the opening eight minutes of the second half to get back on level terms, but Ryukyu held firm to take the tie through the rest of the 90 minutes into extra time and onto the shootout. Takahiro Yanagi had his kick saved by Roasso keeper Ryuga Tashiro and all the other attempts were scored, meaning it finished Kumamoto 2, Ryukyu 2, with Roasso winning 5-4 on penalties. In the 15th minute of their tie at Yokohama FC, Iwate also scored first, a sensational assist by Masashi Wada, who won the ball in midfield and took it to the edge of the area before feeding Koki Matsubana for a neat finish. But things went downhill from there for Yoshika Matsubana's team. It was 1-1 by half-time and three goals in 11 second-half minutes, the last an own goal by the unlucky Ryo Saito, gave a final score of Yokohama FC 4, Iwate 1. 
All that means two J3 teams have made it through to the third round. Katare Toyama, who will play Albirex Niigata, and FC Gifu, who take on Avispa Fukuoka. Both ties on Wednesday the 12th of July. Now on to the league, and all 10 games were played on Saturday the 24th. Leaders Katare Toyama were at home to Vanrare Hachinohe, now coached by previous Katare boss Nobuhiro Ishizaki. Kai Sasaki missed a great chance to put Ishizaki's side ahead in the 13th minute when he blazed over from close range, and it was Yoji Sasaki who opened the scoring six minutes before the break, continuing his run of form to put Katare 1-0 up with a clever finish from a cross by Daiki Yagishita. Toyama appeared to be home and dry when Tsubasa Yoshihira scored a 71st minute penalty awarded when Hachinohe captain Naoyuki Yamada hauled Yoshihira down straight in front of the referee. Vanrane did, however, pull one back soon afterwards. A surging run down the left by Daisuke Inazumi and a dummy from Aoi Sato setting up the chance for Naoya Senoo to finish from 10 yards. And then, on 78 minutes, the visitors hit the bar. A scorching long shot by Yuki Aida picking up a deflection in a crowded goal mouth and bouncing off the woodwork into the hands of Tomoki Tagawa. Final score, Toyama 2, Hachinohe 1. Not Katane at their best, but they emerge with maximum points to stay top. Vanrade can perhaps consider themselves unlucky to have come away with nothing, and the defeat means they drop four places to 13th. In second at start of play, Kagoshima United were hosting Gainare Tottori, for whom this was the first game in charge for caretaker Kohei Masumoto, following the midweek sacking of coach Kim Jong-song. After winning their opening two matches of the season, Gainare have been heading downhill ever since, and Masumoto here discarded Kim's 4-4-2 in favour of three at the back. Turned out to be a good decision, although Tottori had keeper Kaito Ioka to thank for keeping them on level terms in the 18th minute, spreading himself to make the save after Junki Goryo had exploited some hesitancy in their defence. And only two minutes later, Kagoshima had a goal disallowed. Shuto Nakahara's strike ruled out as Noriaki Fujimoto's setup came from an offside position. Nine minutes into the second half, it was Gainare who went in front. Arya Jasuru Hasegawa and Kentaro Shigematsu both stepping over Junya Suzuki's pass, which made its way into the path of Mun Inju, whose well-struck shot flew past Kenta Matsuyama. And the visitors almost snatched a second through Makoto Fukoin, pushed by Masamoto into a more advanced role, who hit the post after a dynamic run and shot. Final score, though, Kagoshima nil, Totori won. Two home defeats in a row for Naoto Otake's side, and they drop to third. Without question, Gainare's best result of the season, a superb start for Masamoto, and his team jump three places to 15th. Remaining very much in contention are Kiyotaka Ishimaru's Ehime FC after their home win over SC Sagamihara. 
Ehime got some joy via overlapping left-back Tatsuya Yamaguchi, and it was his cross that led to the opening goal on 26 minutes, the ball reaching the far post and Oriki Matsuda, whose snapshot was parried by Akihiko Takeshige, only for Ben Duncan to nod in the loose ball, his third in consecutive games. Six minutes later, Sagamihara failed to clear a corner kick and Asahiyada hammered in a shot from 12 yards for 2-0. There was a glimmer of hope for the visitors immediately after the restart. Takumu Fujinuma hitting the post after an explosive sprint into the box. Ryu Wakabayashi reacting quickly to fire in the rebound from 5 yards. But the closest Kazuyuki Tona's team came to an equaliser was 19 minutes from time, when a fiercely struck drive from Kazuaki Sasso was tipped over by Shugo Tsuji, and the home side held on for the win. Final score, Ehime 2, Sagamihara 1. Duncan succeeding in revitalising the Ehime attack, and his team climb above Kagoshima into second. Sagamihara, on a match-by-match basis, are a competitive side, but what they can't seem to do is grind out the odd win here and there. And for the first time since the early weeks of 2018, they sink to the bottom of the J3 table. Whenever Matsumoto Yamaga as the big club in J3, current edition, look as if they might be turning into serious contenders. They find themselves unable to sustain a run of form. Their visit to Iwate Guruja Morioka providing an excellent example. Yamaga came into the match on a run of three straight victories that had taken them up to fourth in the standings, but the division's best attack was toothless throughout here, as per Kazuma Watanabe's feeble attempt at a one-on-one in the second half, in which he chipped the ball gently into the hands of Guruja keeper Kenta Tanno. The only goal of the game came in the 16th minute, Masashi Wana following his outstanding assist in the cup with a superb glancing header to put the home side into the lead, stealing in front of Yota Shimokawa to convert Kairi Shinbo's cross. Final score, Iwate 1, Matsumoto 0. An all-too-rare glimpse of Guruja fulfilling their potential. They're back up to 12th. Yamaga hold on to 4th spot, and it will be interesting to see if the impressive Kaiga Murakoshi gets his place back in the starting lineup next week after dropping to the bench for this one. As the form team in the division, FC Gifu continued their climb up the table with a comfortable win at Fukushima United. With pace on the wings to frighten any opponent, Gifu hit the post through Toma Murata and Ayumu Matsumoto before eventually taking the lead nine minutes before half-time. A Murata cross converted through Ryo Kubota's composed side-footed volley. And the visitors were two up at the break, Matsumoto floating in a high ball that left home defender Hiroshi Omori floundering, allowing Murata to step in and finish with his right foot. Fukushima were held at arm's length throughout the second half, Kaito Yamamoto remaining much the busier of the two keepers. Final score, Fukushima nil, Gifu 2 Incredible stat, Toshihiro Hattori's Fukushima haven't scored a single goal at home this season and they didn't come close here, they're down in 18th. 
under Yusaku Ueno. Gifu are the best performing team in J3 right now, and they move up to fifth. Great atmosphere at the Imabari Satoyama Stadium for the Shikoku Derby between FC Imabari and Kamatamari Sanuki. The away fans in fine voice, despite their team's woeful form. They started brightly enough, but it was the home side who took the lead in the 20th minute. Kazuya Ando picking up a long ball on the right, brushing aside the challenge of Yudai Okada before beating Yusuke Imamura at his near post. Kamatamale almost pulled level soon afterwards. Yuto Mori's low shot, brilliantly saved by Genta Ito, diving full length to tip it onto the post. Despite Seneki pressure, Imabari got the ball in the net again on 28 minutes, but Ando was this time ruled offside. Imabari's Hayato Teriyama saved a certain equaliser early in the second half, just getting his head to Mori's cross when Himan Morimoto was on hand to score. And with 11 minutes left, the game was won. Teriyama heading Yuta Mikado's corner goalwards. Imamura made the save, but it ricocheted off Iki Kawasaki over the line for an own goal. Final score, Imabari 2, Sanuki 0. Hardly a compelling performance by Imabari, but they squeeze out the win and climb back up to 6th. Far more width and attacking energy than we're used to from Kamatomari. On another day, they could have taken the points, but they slip one place to 17th. It's six without a win now for Julian Marin Bazalo's Nana Club after they conceded early goals to go down at home to Azul Claro Numazu. Nana keeper Arnau was given no help by his defence at a 10th minute corner. Tomoki Fujisaki rising unchallenged to head in Kotaru Tokunaga's kick. And only three minutes later, Noah Kenshin Brown latched on to Hagami Wada's through pass, sending an angled shot that nicked off Daisei Suzuki and in. After that, Nana spent much more time on the offensive, Hayato Horiuchi and Kohei Teramura both bringing excellent low saves out of Hiromu Musha. And early in the second half, the home side still pressing, Yuta Tsunami's improvised shot had to be headed off the line by Azul Klaru's Takumi Hammer. Final score, Nara nil, Numazu 2. As with Senuki, an improved performance, if not result for Nara, now down to ninth. Azul Claro get the points without playing especially well and move up to a season's best seventh. No goals at YSCC Yokohama versus FC Osaka, but don't mistake this for lack of quality or excitement. This was one of the better games of the round between two closely matched, hard-working teams. Homekeeper Jun Kodama made several excellent saves to keep out the likes of Naoki Tanaka and Takumi Shimada, while at the other end, YSCC hit the woodwork through Sho Fukuda and Haruki Oshima, with Hiroto Domoto screwing a half-volley wide with the goal at his mercy. Final score, YSCC nil, Osaka nil. YSCC transformed under Kei Hoshikawa, although congestion in the middle of the table means they drop two places to 14th. 
Ryo Shigaki's Osaka easier on the eye in recent weeks, and with a steely defence that's conceded only once in the last six matches, they're now eighth. Big game at Giramanskita Kyushu, scrapping for points at the bottom of the table and here at home to the decidedly off-form AC Nagano Paseiro. Homekeeper Kenshin Yoshimaru had a comfortable enough first half, while at the other end, rookie Rinpei Okano curled a 25-yard shot onto the post. Then, three minutes before the break, Ryusei Nose received the ball on the right. Poseiro's ex-Gidoance midfielder Yasufumi Nishimura didn't close him down, and Nose sent his shot arrowing into the top corner. 1-0 Kitakyushu at half-time. In an attempt to shake things up, Nagano coach Yuki Stealth made a quadruple substitution midway through the second period, and then, with four minutes left, his side stole an equaliser as Korki Hadada floated in a corner and Hiroki Yamamoto easily overcame the challenge of Korki Hasegawa to head home. Final score, Kitakyushu 1, Nagano 1. Disappointment, of course, for Kazuaki Tasaka and Giravance, although they do have five points from the last three games and jump one place to 19th. Paseiro bring an end to their losing streak, but they are not looking like a team who can fight for promotion. They now slip to 10th. Finally, in their home game against Tegevajaro Miyazaki, FC Ryukyu fell behind with barely a minute on the clock. Yuta Shimozawa's corner was headed on at the near post by Daisuke Ishizu, and somehow no one got in a block or made a clearance or otherwise prevented the ball from trickling slowly in at the far post. Early in the second half, Kelvin forced a great save from visiting keeper Kokoro Aoki as the nearest Ryukyu came to getting on level terms, and Ishizu made it 2-0 on the hour, jabbing the ball over the line from a centre by Harumi Minamino. It looked to me like he was just stretching to get the ball under control, but from a Ryukyu perspective, if you're conceding two goals at home to a player who has been sleepwalking through his season and a half in J3, you're not in a good place. Tetsuhiro Kina's team had only themselves to blame for the goal that put them 3-0 down, though. Neither Yuri Mori or the generally very unimpressive Yusuke Muta working to track back as Minamino latched on to Kazuma Nakata's through pass and finished with ease. In the closing stages, with the home side run ragged, Danny Carvajal made last gasp saves from Minamino, Nagata and Ryohei Yamazaki as Tegevacharo pushed for another. Final score though, Ryukyu nil, Miyazaki 3. Kina begins his second spell in charge at Ryukyu with a pair of 3-0 defeats. Last week I said his team lacked defensive bite. This time there seems to be an absence of basic commitment in the back line. Ishizu may have got lucky with his goals, but Tegevajano deserved the win and climbed back to 11th. So now to run through the top and bottom of the league standings after round 15. The top six are Toyama with 30 points, Ehime with 28, Kagoshima 25, 
Matsumoto and Gifu, 24. Imabari, 23. At the other end of the table, the bottom six are Totori with 18 points, Ryukyu with 17, Sanuki, 16, Fukushima, 15, Kitakyushu, 11, and now bottom of the pile with 10, Sagamihara. Just time now for a quick look ahead to the round 16 fixtures this weekend when there are eight games on Saturday the 1st of July which heads up is looking like one of the most exciting days of the season so far. First against third face off at Toyama where the visitors are Kagoshima. It's also fourth against second Matsumoto against Ehime. Imabari go to Nagano. Only outside the top six on goal difference, Numazu are at home to Kitakyushu. Osaka aren't too far off either. They're away at Totori. Fellow new boys Nara head to Fukushima. Improving Miyazaki are at home to YSCC. And can Sagamihara pick up what would be a vital win as they host Hachinohe? Then on Sunday the 2nd, Gifu will hope to continue to push their way into the promotion picture. They're at home to Iwate. And finally, a big, big game in the lower reaches of the table. It's Sanuki against Ryukyu. With all the week's business seen to then, that's it for this mini-pod. All that remains is for me to say, thanks for listening, enjoy your football, and see you next time. Bye for now.